Uh, good morning. Um, I'd like to welcome everybody to this day-long seminar in honor of Mahabhajapati Gautami, who was uh, the uh, founder of the uh, Bhikkhuni Sangha. And uh, as the leader of the Sangha was uh, personally responsible for bringing many hundreds of women into monastic life and uh, being their teacher and leading them to their uh, awakening. The uh, format that we have for today is uh, very simple and uh, shouldn't be too strenuous. Uh, we're going to invite each one of the monastics um, here on the stage to uh, speak uh, briefly about uh, some uh, uh, bhikkhuni teacher who was an uh, inspiration for them. And also uh, there will be uh, uh, plenty of time for discussion. And uh, I, I encourage if uh, you find in your heart some a woman who was a, a spiritual inspiration for you, uh, you might also speak about that. Without further delay, I'm going to lead off by speaking about Patachara, uh, who is uh, one of the uh, ancient uh, bhikkhunis who's uh, remembered in the uh, Terigata, the verses of the enlightened women. Uh, perhaps I'll start off by reading her um, Udana, the poem that she uttered uh, about her awakening. Does anybody not know the story of Patachara? Okay. Um, here's her verse. Young Brahmins plow fields sow seeds, nourish their wives and children, get wealthy. Why can't I find peace? I'm virtuous, comply comply with the teacher, not lazy or puffed up. One day, washing my feet, I watched the water as it trickled down the slope. I fixed my mind the way you'd train a thoroughbred horse. Later, taking my lamp, I enter my cell, sit on my bed, and watch the flame. I extinguish the wick with a needle. The release of my mind is like the quenching of the lamp. Oh, the nirvana of the little lamp. So nirvana, nirvana means, literally means the cooling or the quenching. And... This is uh, very uh, typical of the verses of the ancient um, bhikkhuni uh, arahantas in that uh, so often they come with uh, uh, details of um, the personal life, details that are uh, so touching and so, you know, tiny things, putting out the lamp, uh, uh, using a needle, and, uh, uh, washing the bowl, seeing the water uh, flow into the sand and disappear, uh, and and uh, by comparison, um, a lot of the 
moksa versus in the Theragata are more a little bit conceptual and abstract, speaking about the Dhamma qualities. So, uh, the story of Patachara uh, is that she was a, uh, a daughter of a wealthy family. Uh, her parents, um, and this is a, like a fairy tale, her parents uh, locked her in a room on the seventh floor to keep her safe from uh, men, and they arranged a marriage for her to a wealthy young man. Uh, but Patachara fell in love with one of the servants, and uh, she, she uh, contrived uh, to uh, sneak away um, with this uh, servant, and they went to a distant country and got married. Uh, so then um, uh, she was having the happy life with her husband uh, until she became uh, pregnant. And uh, the Indian tradition would be for the woman to uh, go home at the time of childbirth uh, to be helped by her own um, mother especially. Uh, so she wanted to go home. Her husband said no. Uh, but uh, she ran away anyway, trying to get home. Uh, but her husband ran after her and found her and was begging her to come back. And uh, just then she went into labor and had the baby and, and they, they went back to their own home. No used to go to the parents. Uh, then uh, time went by, and later on, uh, uh, Patachara again was pregnant with a second child. And now she was um, really um, insisting to uh, uh, go and uh, be with her family for this second birth. Uh, again, her husband resisted. Uh, again, um, and she ran away. Uh, uh, with her bringing her little toddler child and uh, being uh, close to birth. Uh, her husband ran after her, again found her. And now uh, a tremendous uh, rainstorm came up. And uh, Patachara started to feel the uh, pain of labor and asked her husband to, to make a shelter so she could give birth. Uh, he went to do so and while he was uh, cutting some branches to make a, a little shelter, he was bit by a snake and died instantly. Uh, meanwhile, um, Patachara went into labor and all by herself with no help from anybody, uh, gave birth to the second child. Uh, she searched to find her husband and found him dead. Uh, now, overwhelmed with uh, sorrow and remorse that she had caused the death of her husband. Uh, she thought, no use to go home, might as well go to my parents' house. And so she uh, continued on. Uh, they come to a river, uh, which is swollen uh, in a flood state because of the rains. Uh, she's too weak to carry both of her children across the river. So she makes the toddler to stay on the one side and carries the infant over, uh, sets the infant down on a bed of uh, leaves, and then goes back to get her, her toddler. And when she's in the middle of the river, um, Garuda bird, who's uh, like a, a eagle type, a very large bird, 
comes and takes the infant, grabs the infant and flies away. Uh, she cries out, uh, and then the toddler, hearing the voice of, her, of the mother, thinks that mother is calling, and so he goes in the river and gets uh, swept away. Um, now Patachaya has lost both of her children. Uh, she goes to continue on her way to her parents' house. Uh, she meets somebody along the way and um, inquires, where are you from? And uh, the man says, I'm from Sabati. And she said, oh, do you know this particular family? And he says, oh, don't ask about that family. And um, she said, oh, please, you have to tell me this is my family. And he said, well, um, the house uh, collapsed in the, in the torrential storm, and uh, they, your parents were killed. Uh, you can see the flame there uh, in the distance, the smoke and the fire. That's the funeral pyre of your parents. Uh, so now uh, Patachara <coughs> descends into madness. Uh, she's running around naked in a complete um, mental breakdown. Uh, somebody finds her and uh, takes her to um, the place where the Buddha is teaching. And uh, the Buddha gives the instruction that um, allows her to emerge from her madness. Um, and then uh, uh, eventually she enters the uh, um, uh, bhikkhuni order and uh, becomes uh, fully enlightened, as you can uh, hear from, from her verse. And my identification with Patachara was because in my personal story, um, I also had a lot of losses that were leading up to my uh, uh, entering into monastic life. Uh, when I first encountered the Dhamma, I was very attracted to the monks and, the, and monastic life. I, it really seemed ideal to me, but I had responsibilities and I couldn't leave my responsibilities. Uh, uh, then, uh, um, during the um, years... Uh, um, after I had encountered the Dhamma over a period of several years my younger brother passed away and my father passed away um, um, with the um, inheritance that I received I felt comfortable to give up my uh, job and my condominium and uh, undertake um, a long hike uh, thinking to um, make a decision about my life direction after that. Um, but while uh, during the hike, my mother passed away and my life partner passed away. Um, so there I was. All my responsibilities had been taken away. I didn't... I didn't... leave my, my, it, my responsibilities. They fell away because of impermanence. And... So this was the one thing that I kind of seemed to notice at the time about 
um, it's, it's sort of like a particularly feminine aspect. In so many of the stories, we read that the monk or the young man finds that the family life is a kind of a prison. It's uh, dusty and dry and unsatisfying. And um, the thought of entering into the family life, following in the footsteps of the family and taking up the family business and making a family and having those responsibilities feels like a kind of a prison, uh, something really awful. And so then um, he wants to uh, leave on a spiritual quest and go and and I wonder, uh, uh, whereas um, for the woman, um, it's like the home life or the life with the family um, is a kind of a heaven. Like being a young mother with her husband, anyway, it seemed like a, you know, kind of like a, that's heaven. And and she only wished that she could uh, complete the picture by. Um, uh, reconciling the break with the parents and to bring, you know, the multi generational family together and to be able to have the parents and herself and her children all kind of like in one um, uh, relationship, but then uh, because of impermanence, um, it's taken away. Uh, now, um, these. Our archetypes of these stereotypes are actually not completely true. And uh, now I feel that actually um, it's more that um, like men and women or the genders uh, share some characteristics and uh, the uh, for example Patachara did run away. She did find her destiny which was to be married, you know, within her social class, was a kind of a cramped, dusty, unsatisfactory, and she was not satisfied to take what fate gave her. She wanted the freedom. Um, and likewise, um, uh, some of these characteristics of, like, being very happy to be sort of like ensconced in this household life with these domestic virtues. Um, those are qualities that are admired by us, but also if you look at how the bhikkhus live, the characteristics of a, of a really good bhikkhu have a lot of domestic aspects. Uh, I'm going to read here uh, from the Greek mythology about the goddess Hestia, who's the goddess of the home <coughs> and the hearth. Um, she's the goddess of the hearth, home, architecture, domesticity, family, um, in the state, um, uh, she's uh, personified by the fire burning in the hearth of every home in Greece. And so that would be um, maybe a parallel to the Brahmin class, which uh, keeps a fire um, burning continuously in the home. And so then in uh, Indian culture, this keeping the hearth going is not a feminine thing or a masculine thing, it's a Brahmin thing, or maybe it belongs to the priestly uh, uh, class. Um, um, uh, she's um, described as kind, forgiving, uh, discreet, 
uh, with the passive, non-confrontational nature, just like an ideal bhikkhu. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, we do see uh, that um, uh, when we enter the monastic life in a certain way, we're stepping out of the stereotypes. Uh, so, um, the bhikkhu has to uh, be the opatak and take care of his teacher and has to learn this uh, like very calm, uh, differential um, uh, manner in monastic life and has to learn to become uh, the peacemaker, um, which you know might be considered as in the traditional role or role for a moment. Uh, and likewise, um, uh, the bhikkhunis uh, are um, uh, living in our own uh, communities and so we have to be able to um, establish the law and um, we have to be able to um, you know, fix things that break and do the, the painting and the lawn mowing and, and um, uh, uh, the chainsawing and the, <laughs> um, and the, 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 the building <laughs> and so and so we we uh, do uh, and uh, leave behind those some of the uh, traditional um, things that might be the the role of, of women. Uh, it's true that um, it in some ways uh, our bhikkhuni. Uh, uh, precepts are more detailed than the bhikkhu's precepts in certain regards. And it's possible that um, as women there's a more, it's like a social interpersonal role for like interpersonal regulation. Mm-hmm. And then it seems almost as if some of the, of the um, concerns that were invented, that were raised by the bhikkhunis, then subsequently became adopted by the bhikkhus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a particular rule about using the sitting cloth. Um, and the bhikkhus didn't have that rule, but now all the bhikkhus use the sitting cloth <laughs> in, this, in the same way that the, that the bhikkhunis do. Um, so that's this, uh, the... Um, which is like when we're not wearing our upper robe, the small cloth that you see that you see the bikinis wear. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that uh, was uh, first uh, a characteristic of the bikinis, but now all the bikus have mm-hmm. the same kind of thing. So, so in that kind of way, there is a there is an adaptation. Uh, so, uh, anyways, I offer this uh, brief reflection about Patachara. Um, um, with the idea that uh, when we see somebody or hear of um, somebody who had some uh, similarity in her story is the same as our own experience and we could see that they were able to make it um, then uh, that's something that that makes it possible and so that uh, maybe the most important thing that we have to do as uh, as leaders is simply to be spiritually successful and to be ourselves. And then if somebody else uh, um, can identify with that, then they could think that it's possible that they could also can uh, 
can uh, make it and uh, be successful spiritually. And we could take five or ten minutes if anybody has a comment or a question to ask. Because in my head I'm thinking the heartache and the heartbreak and everything else, like Adichara, one, two, three, four, five, yeah. things happened. And the nervous breakdown can occur. But you're very strong and you're very resilient. <coughs> and you didn't have a nervous breakdown. For me, it so happened that uh, after um, when I was doing that long hike, um, the hike, instead of being one year, it ended up being three years. And during the winter months, uh, uh, my partner and I were uh, staying at the monastery. And as as a you know resident lay residents, and so then uh, after, especially after my partner passed away, um, the monks were my family, and uh, they say that in a time of grief, don't change anything, or don't make big decisions to change things. Mm-hmm. So not changing things meant to go to the monastery. <laughs> was that's what I was doing before, and so I just did that again. And then um, that spring, uh, you know, I was thinking, okay, I didn't want to make a big change. So I just put it in my backpack and finished the hike by myself. Um, And, uh, but I I had, uh, uh, I I, I had a lot of uh, difficulty at that time with uh, afflictive uh, emotional states and and the major thing that makes me good, a good teacher now is because uh, while I was staying at there at the Bhavana Society, eventually I, you know, I tried this, I tried that, I tried this, I tried that. I did a lot of experiments and investigations so, until finally I, I had the, my spiritual breakthrough that allowed me to be able to see the way not to be trapped in uh, afflictive states, but to be able to um, uh, escape uh, from those states. This morning, you had disclosed that you were having to give up some books that you had carried for many years, and they were like 
like almost like well mementos or some some physical uh, representative of of your past and it was like now it's starting to make sense it's like this gradual letting go I mean some of it was like well it is it's a it's a Nietzsche so we we have to let that go we can't hang on so so then it, each each stage of the way you're able to let, shed more Mm-hmm. He, the person's able to shed more. I mean, we may psych- someone may pass away, but we may psychologically be hanging on to them mm-hmm. and not wanting, you know, not wanting that to be a reality. I understand that. Thank you. Those books are uh, affected by mildew, but they've been treated for mildew, but they still have a kind of a musty. Uh, Stinky kind of a smell that I'm not able to tolerate. Um, but if anybody's able to uh, tolerate it, uh, those uh, smells, and uh, I'd be happy to um, have you uh, take them away. Yeah. It includes the thesaurus that was given to my father by his co-workers when he got his first job in 1945. Oh, wow. <laughs> And it includes a couple of really high, high quality, expensive bird guides. Uh, okay, so let us. Um, we've got a minute, three minutes left. Anymore? Is there another comment? <laughs> 